0: You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 56. Today, I'm introducing you to the incredible Shanna Skidmore. Shanna is an expert when it comes to helping other entrepreneurs know how to tackle their finances, know their numbers, and make their biggest goals seem achievable through defining enough. I am so excited to have this conversation with Shanna because I think it's something that a lot of entrepreneurs shy away from. As a numbers addict, I am one person who can tell you that knowing your numbers provides clarity and confidence and allows you to say yes to the right opportunities and no to the things that might not be the perfect fit. I am so excited for you to dive into this episode today. And without further ado, here we go. You're listening to the Gold Digger podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop style business podcast for creative girl bosses so you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work, and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Hey, Gold Diggers, it's Jenna Kutcher, and today I get to introduce you to the amazing Shanna Skidmore. Shanna and I were introduced to each other two years ago when we were both speaking at the Illumory Tree, and since then, we've gotten to be together again. And Shanna is an incredible, incredible business coach who is financially minded and really helps take the fear out of knowing your finances. And whenever I'm with Shanna, I just always feel so refreshed and really really encouraged to dig back into the numbers, which I think is something a lot of us shy away from. And so I'm really honored to get to hang out with this Chattanooga girl today and to really just talk a little bit about finances and money, which a lot of people are afraid to do. So let's dive into the tough stuff. Are you ready, Shanna? Yes, I'm so excited. Me too. So first, tell everyone a little bit about you, what you do, how you ended up where you are today, and then we'll dive into the good stuff. Okay,
1: perfect. So I'm Shanna Skidmore. Like Jenna said, I'm a business strategist for creative entrepreneurs. I work mostly in finance and operations, but the backstory of that is pretty funny. I actually relate it mostly to an Elizabeth Gilbert conversation with Oprah, where she talks about chasing your curiosity, not your passion. And so it's funny. My husband is an aerospace engineer, and he like since he was a little kid always loved airplanes, everything about them. And I used to be so jealous of him because I never really had that passion. I was like if I could just take women to coffee and talk about life, could that be my job? And so I started in finance about 10 years ago and I did personal financial planning and for small business owners. And then we moved to Atlanta for Kyle to go back to school and get his engineering degree. I really didn't know what I wanted to do, and I got invited to work with a startup fashion designer doing operations and finance, and it's really funny. I just kind of stumbled into my calling. I feel like I didn't really plan out this path, but all of my gifts just kind of aligned in helping people talk about money in a more approachable way. And especially in the creative entrepreneur world where it can be really overwhelming, numbers can be feel very unknown. I think anything unknown brings about a lot of fear. And so yeah, for the last five years, I've been working with creative entrepreneurs and helping them just create more profitable businesses and systems so they can still have a life outside their work and not be working all the time for no money. And so it's really just a huge blessing. I love what I do.
0: Well, you're incredibly good at it. And before we dive into all of it, Shanna was the one who really started me thinking about what a sabbatical would look like and kind of took the idea of it and actually made it something tangible in our lives. And I remember after hanging out with her and listening to her speak, I went home and I told Drew, like, gosh, wouldn't it be so cool to travel for one month out of the year? Like, what would that look like? That's that's what I would attribute success to look like. And it started as an idea and it became a thought and then it became this plan. And so it was so fun to see her again, and to tell her, you know, hey, your exercise wasn't just something I heard and let go through my ears. It was something that actually became a part of our life when we went to Hawaii for the month, and now we're going back for another month this fall, and it's just become a part of our lifestyle. And so I know you guys took a sabbatical. Tell us a little bit about that because it's so cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny, and I love that. I was so honored when you shared that with me, Jenna. That. I love that you took that month off in Hawaii. So actually, it's funny. The idea of sabbatical was not something that was this beautiful plan that I came up with. It actually, I'd started my company officially, and I was six months in. And probably like a lot of people listening. I was just exhausted. I was burnt out. I really had not created great boundaries and was just feeling incredibly overworked and i had just finished up two big clients and i was like i'm going to take a month off just to breathe like i've got to spend some time with my family it was it was really out of just dire need and it became this thing that every july i started taking a month off and just now is a funny like sabbatical and something i teach about and talk about but it really just started cuz i needed it i was exhausted and and now i take off every july and december and then just because i love Christmas, and I want a whole month off to decorate and have fun (laughs) and make cookies. And so this past year, Kyle was graduating, and it was kind of marking a five-year journey. It was our five-year anniversary, and he finished school. And so all these big things were happening, and we were like, what would it look like to take three months off and just travel the country. And so we normally took July off, but we decided to take July, August, and September. And we did a 10 week road trip all around the U.S. I think we visited 15 states and did 12,000 miles on our car. We camped. It was crazy. And it was the biggest adventure probably of my life. And I learned so much. And and just learned about automating your business for three months and what that really looks like and taking an extended sabbatical. And, and I just have found that over the years, you know, my first sabbatical really was out of need. But now I think it's something I stumbled on that has made my business grow so much more because taking that time out of my business really helps me honestly in my business. That's when all my best ideas happen. I get excited again. And and so it's just a really cool picture of learning again to automate and plan ahead. But that's the beauty of entrepreneurship that You know, nine to fivers, we couldn't do that, but now it's like, as entrepreneurs, we have this awesome opportunity to create a different life. And so I like encourage myself and others to take advantage of that so often.
0: I love that so much. And I agree. I feel like sabbatical, it's kind of a catchy word these days. And a lot of people don't necessarily understand them. But, you know, for me, and everyone's looks different. And we talked about this a lot when you were together. Like, for me, I needed to be fully logged off because I knew I could get pulled in to work so easily. And then, like you said, like I was logged in one or two days a week, but it was just very, you know, sparingly or intentionally time spent in my business. And I think, you know, when you really can listen to your gut and know when you're creating your best work and what that looks like for you, that is like when the real magic happens. And I think it's just such a cool thing because so many of us quit our nine to fives and then all of a sudden we're working 24 seven and we're never yeah. taking days off or holidays or weekends off or we're always connected with our computer or our phone. And so whatever that rest looks like, it's just such an important part of being creative and staying creative.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so true. And, and I think at first when I started talking about sabbatical people, some people, when you say the word rest, they kind of freak out like I can't be still. And I think, though, rest can also be active And, and I love how you said, making it look exactly like you want it to look like for some people, it is completely disconnecting. For others, it's like an active rest. It's a vacation. It's something fun for me. It's just maybe just reading a book, you know, and just trusting that that time away really does make you stronger.
0: I love that. So can we talk a little bit about the motivators when it comes to our lives? Because I feel like what motivates us can really determine how we feel about our business, about our mental state, about money. And then we can kind of dive into some of the incredible things you teach. But I learned so much when we went through this and I think it would be something really cool to tackle.
1: Yeah, I would love that. Okay. So about you know, I started my company, I guess officially about three and a half years ago, and I had this questionnaire at the time, and you know I had a lot of questions, kind of like we all have introductions to new clients and and I asked the question, "Why did you become an entrepreneur like why did you want to quit your nine to five if they had that, but what motivated you to start your own business?" and I got a lot of different answers. I wanted more time with my family. I wanted a more flexible schedule. I didn't want to work for the man anymore. Or I wanted to do something more creative and all these different answers. And I've got hundreds of answers to this question. And I started as I read through them, you know, the word that always came back to me was freedom. But I started finding these patterns. And I think that there are four kind of core motivators that do really defines success for us. And, and I started teaching about this and writing about it. It's still something that's definitely developing, but it was fun Jenna to walk through that with you and the Alum crew and some other workshops I've gotten to do it at. But I really think it came back to you out of all those hundreds of answers. Kind of four main motivators. And I thought about this in the terms of how important it is to understand our motivator in our business because that's what success to us really looks like. And if we don't know that, we can be really easily swayed to kind of view success as someone else would. So the four, just want me to go through them, Jenna, the four. Yeah. So the four motivators again, coming back to like success in your business, why you wanted to be a business owner, kind of four main motivators for why you do what you do. And so the first one I call creative expression. And this is one where I found some people were just motivated by doing something creative. And I think we all have all four of these in us. We all want all four. But if you're motivated by these things, I say it's the one thing you're not willing to give up. And so creatively motivated people, creative expression, and that they just wanted a creative business. They wanted to do their art. they were very passionate about something um, and always came back to the art of it. And so where I find people that are creatively motivated, really struggling or feeling burnout is when they're having to take on jobs like for the money or clients that are ideal to them. That really is a burnout point for them. And so understanding that this is a motivator can really help determine the clients you take on and things like that. So creative expression is the first one. The second one was time. So if you're motivated by time, this this would be people that answered like, I want a more flexible schedule. They wanted more vacation days. They didn't want to keep wasting their life behind a desk. They're very in tune with how they spend their days. And so time motivated people are going to be really into, they really are going to get burnout if they don't have boundaries if they feel like they're working their business all the time. So really creating a more ideal schedule for them. So time motivator, The third one, I used to call money, but I think that was not the correct name because, you know, psychology wise, money really isn't a motivator for long. But I think that it's more now I'm calling it the challenge. And so this one's fun that really it's just the challenge of getting over that next hurdle, whether it could be a money goal. I want to replace my income I was making at my corporate job in one year or I want to hit this target with my sales of that product or it's more of a challenge. They really like you conquer something, you know, want to be on to the next thing. And so for this person, they're going to really burn out if they don't have a next, if they don't have something they're working toward, they're going to be very goal oriented people. And then the fourth one, the fourth motivator was impact. And these are somebody that really does their business for what they can give back to others out of it. This can be they want to give money. They want to give time. They want to, you know, really give something meaningful with the work that they do. And so people that are impact motivated get really burned out. If they just feel like they're working for the dollars, you know, I had a friend, a friend of mine, Jess Connolly. she realized that her motivator was impact and she was actually thinking about closing down one of her companies. And she was like, when I realized that this was my motivator, I tied my goal, my sales goal to how much money i could give away and so every she gave away i think a percentage of her sales goal and so she got really motivated to sell more so she could give more so it was really cool to see how knowing that motivation and what success looked like to her helped her set goals in her company and so I came with these, figuring out these motivators really comes back to success. Like for me, my motivator time. And so if I'm not getting enough time, then I get really deflated and burn out. But when I do, that's what success looks like to me is having that schedule and having my sabbaticals and having my quit time and things like that. Whereas somebody else who's motivated by creative expression would rather create then have that time does that make sense how it's like it helps you understand what success looks like
0: absolutely and it was so funny we were all analyzing each other and trying (laughs) to like guess what each one was going to be and It was so funny because for me, Mm -hmm. at first, I was thinking, well, it's got to be the challenge. And I am very numbers driven. So I was thinking about it, but it was so funny. And it really changed the way that I think about things now. When I realized that time, it's Mm -hmm. always been about time. And it was so pertinent to me because one of the examples that I have is, If I have a bride and groom, I would way rather have them book my eight hour package, even though I know I could make more money doing a 10 hour package, because when I book a 10 hour package, I have to spend the night somewhere and I can't be withdrew the next day. Mm -hmm. And things like that, when I really started to dive deeper and it's made it very black and white for me in my business, because I look at the way my time is spent and sometimes the challenge or the money is a really good differentiator for me, whether I'm saying yes or no, and sometimes Mm -hmm. it could be the impact. And so it was really exciting to go through this and to really be honest with yourself because none of these are bad or good. It just really helps you understand and it can create clearer boundaries for you when you know what your main motivator is. Don't you agree?
1: Oh, a hundred percent, and I think too, Jenna. I love what you brought up. Like I think that time and the money, the challenge one, especially when I called it money, people got confused a lot because if they were really burnout, if they were working too many hours, they were like, "Oh, it's time." Well, no. Really, time and money are also just necessities for growing a sustainable, profitable business. That doesn't mean it's necessarily a motivator. So I love how you kind of peeled back, and I I always go back to that question, but what are you not willing to give up? And so if you would sacrifice your time in order to take on a project that you're just so in love with and you can't wait to create that, then it might be you're more motivated by the creative than the time. And so it's a good question, kind of really get down to the gut but what motivates you in your business. And I a hundred percent agree that understanding this and for you, Jenna, like what an eye opener understanding time that you can set bigger financial goals. You can do these things, but not at the cost of giving up, time, which is your success and understanding that kind of frees you from competing with other people or comparing to what other people are doing, because it just says like, but this is to me what success is and letting that be okay. Cause like you said, they're all very good and they're all really great motivators, but they're not all our motivator. And so it's good to kind of think through that.
0: Absolutely. article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more to claim visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout that's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more let's dive into the awkward stuff because you and I love to be awkward together One thing that I've noticed when it comes to entrepreneurs is that a lot of us feel insecure when it comes to charging for our passions. Mm -hmm. And I see this so much within my courses when it comes down to what should I charge? How much should I make? How much Mm -hmm. should I book? And all of these questions, people are looking for external answers. And Mm -hmm. something that I love about what you teach is that it all has to start with you. So Mm -hmm. talk me through a little bit about finances and kind of your approach to things because I think it is so impactful
1: you're sweet you know first and foremost the biggest word that when I talk about money is the word enough Jen has heard me talk about this so much but you know I I started my background of course is in finance and I used to say that what most people need is just a budget And budget, I think, has become like a six-letter curse word. So I always call it a spending plan. And it's more so just a plan of how we're going to use our dollars and talking about money in a very intentional way. I think money can be a really scary conversation. And to a lot of my clients and, Jen, I'm sure a lot of yours, it's just a very misunderstood and there's a lot of elements with taxes and pricing and costs and budget and, feels like I'm just going to quit. I can't get all that. And so when I started working with creative entrepreneurs, first with my fashion designer, and then I went into floral design, and then I started working with some paper goods companies, I started seeing that the question, though pricing might look different in different industries, the goal of it is the same. And the goal of it is profit. The goal of it is leftover. The goal of it is paying our bills, you know? And so I started thinking about money kind of in a backwards way. I, instead of focusing on the number we sell first, the price or our sales goal, I started thinking of it like, but what is enough for me personally? What is my need? What is my need? What is my want? What are my big dreams? But how much do I have to put in my pocket? And then backing into, if I know that number, how much do I have to sell? So for instance, if I need to make $1,000 a month and I have a thousand another $1,000 that my business needs, that's $2,000 total, how much do I need to sell each month in order to cover that? And so kind of backing into, you know, maybe my price point of $4,000 or that's what I need to sell every month based on a profitable price point and all these things. And so just kind of backing into that number. And so instead of like looking at everybody else's websites, like what are they charging and how do I compare to that? And I think I can charge close to them, but maybe a little less. It's more so about like, what does that look like to make what I need to make? Boiling it down to how many clients can I take on? And therefore, what does my price have to be? And we can dig into like, if we want to kind of go through that step-by-step dinner or whatever. But I think the biggest thing is knowing First and foremost, what do I even need to make? You know, I think people, I would say wealth isn't dependent on how much you make. It's about how you spend the money you make. And I think that, you know, there's a big misconception that the more your salary is or even the more you sell in your business, the more you're going to walk away with. That's really not true. It's all about how you spend that money you're making. And so people can be happy with 10 clients and make what they need to make. You know, and I think if we focus on that first and financially what we need, it really frees us up to stop. Getting stressed out of about more and more and more and more and more and just trying to get all the clients, you
0: know? Absolutely. And I think, you know, when I first started as a photographer and I felt like a photographer, I was just looking at everyone else's websites and I was yeah. looking at like, okay, what are they charging and how much do I need to charge? And I'm not as good as them, but I'm a little bit better than them. And it was basically <laughs> yeah. this totem pole of what I thought I deserved. And mm-hmm. what's so funny is that now whenever I see posts online or in forums where it's like how much do you charge for blah 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 it's mm-hmm. like I always I need to just make a response and copy and paste it because a lot of times when it comes to numbers we don't know what people's needs are we don't know if this is a hobby or if this is our bread and butter we don't know mm-hmm. if they live in a place like Wisconsin that's fairly affordable to live or a place like San Francisco and there are just so many external factors yeah. that play into this. And so it always just breaks my heart when people are asking questions and getting all of these responses and not recognizing that knowing your numbers is going to save you from ever having to ask those hard questions on a public forum like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that so often I get asked all the time about pricing You know, how do we price? How do we price? And and Jenna, you and I have talked about this so much. Like, I think it's okay. I'm going to give everyone permission to do it a little bit differently. (laughs) It's okay if it doesn't all look the same because we live in different places. We have different personalities. We have different styles. But I think what doesn't change is the fact that profit has to be there. And that comes down to understanding your costs. And that's where I see people. It's so sad to me. I think people can get prices right all day long. You can have the best price in the world. But if you don't know how you're going to spend that money or why you charge what you charge, then it's going to be very challenging. You're still not going to get the result you're looking for. And so I think that when we can change the conversation a little bit and think through like what is profit and what is cost And focusing on that things and then backing into our price, I think people feel a lot more confident knowing that they're charging based on a reason, not just the comparison to other people.
0: Absolutely. So let's say somebody's never really sat down and crunched the numbers. They've heard so many people preach about it, but they're like, honestly, I don't even know what I need to make. I don't know what I'm making. I wait until tax time to learn that maybe I didn't make any money, but I worked my booty off. Where would you recommend people starting? Mm
1: -hmm. That's such a good question. I think the first place to start is to sit down and have a conversation with yourself, Or with a significant other, if you have a dual income household, just figure out, like, what do I personally need to bring into our family each month? How much do I need to contribute? For some people and people that aren't married or they pay all their bills, they're going to get this. They understand that they have to make money to pay their bills. But for some that maybe they have someone else that contributes most of the income, or they don't have maybe a need personally, it's easy to get away with having a business that doesn't make any money because you don't need any. So I always say like, if you're in that situation to set some goals, this is where you might say, I really, I have a client right now who she was like, I want to put my three boys through college. And so that became her income goal was to save for that college. Or I have another client who's like, I really want to take my family on a really great vacation. And so so that became her need. So first is figuring out personally what your family needs or would like for you to contribute every month and really define that. You know, a lot of people I talk to you are, I want to replace what I made in the corporate world last year. And I'm like, that's a great goal. But like, why does that matter? Do you need to make that? Because normally that's just to kind of prove to yourself that this is important. You know, I remember um, mm-hmm. when I first went back, when I worked in finance, you know, I was wearing suits and high heels every day. And I started with my fashion designer and then I left that and started doing flowers. Cause I was like, I don't really know what I want to do with my life or where this is going. And I remember going back to my finance office and they were like, Oh, what are you doing now? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm doing flowers for weddings. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, that's, <laughs> that's cute. I'm like, Mm Mhm. Like I don't think as creatives, we take ourselves seriously because the world doesn't always take us seriously. I think that's so sad because as a creative entrepreneur, you can make so much money and it is a serious. So I always say, like, why do you want to replace that corporate salary? If it's just to prove to yourself, like, give yourself permission to let that go. Like, you're important. This work is good. And come up with a number that's really meaningful. So first, what do you personally need? And then, how much does your business need for you to bring in every month or every year? And just really kind of figuring out, just taking, I always say, just take a look. Even if you don't know what all the numbers are, just take a look. And the easiest way to do this is to print off bank statements. I always say, print off your last three months of bank statements and just see where your money went. It's so important to look at actual numbers, not just the ones you can remember, because we always forget things like credit card processing fees or that $20 base camp fee. And so it's good to print off the statements. And so just really first understanding your need and then backing into, if I need 2000 a month, how much do I have to sell in order to make that? And so how many clients do I have to take on? At what price point do I need to be? And uh, really just evaluating how at that point just becomes like, an addition and subtraction game, and figuring out how much do we really need to sell to get there. So that's kind of a place I would start. And just looking at those numbers. If somebody's brand, brand new and they may not have past spending, I think it's good just to look forward and set some goals and how much do I think I'm going to need to spend in my business, and then how much do I need personally, and back into our price point.
0: I love that. And this past year, we got more serious with our finances and actually hired a bookkeeper so that every single month we could see the profit and loss statements because I was one of those people that would wait until the last minute for tax time. And it was always just shocking to see you know, how much you needed to pay in or how much you were actually profiting. And even with a profitable business, sometimes those numbers can just be absolutely shocking. And Mm -hmm. so for me, having that monthly ledger, because I know I'm not going to do it myself. And it's just been so helpful to say, okay, here's where we're spending and here's where we're making. And what is that balance looking like? And for so many entrepreneurs, we forget some of the expenses that are just worked into our business from our website service to our domains, to the hosting services we use, all of those little things, they definitely add up and eat into your bottom line. And so- If you're charging emotionally or offering discounts, it's really hard to see that impact if you're not actually in your numbers.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, exactly. I mean, (laughs) you know, I'm a numbers person, so you probably think this with marketing and like, I think this with numbers, like I think understanding your numbers tells you so much about your business. The whole like work smarter, not harder, blah, blah, blah. I really think that can happen with your numbers. Like you said, like you see the areas that are doing really well. You also see the ones where you're maybe spinning your will and you can really ask yourself is this the best use of my time i had a like a graphic designer she did mostly paper goods and then she had an online shop and she said that she sat down and evaluated where her income was really coming from because she assumed it was 50 50 from her online shop and then from her like custom paper goods she thought it was 50 she sat down she really looked at it and she was like shanna only about 10% of my income was coming from custom and all of this stuff was coming from my online shop, but I was spending 90% of my time on the custom. And so she was like, I just kind of gently phased out the custom and really focused on my online shop. And she like tripled her income in a month. And that's crazy and, you know, a big, big number tripling your income, but it was just by freeing up so much time from something that wasn't very profitable to give her more time to work on the thing that was made a huge impact. And And that's what I started seeing just these little tweaks that sometimes we can't often see ourselves. We just need somebody to kind of point it out or our numbers to point it out. And just a little tweak can have such a crazy impact on our money and our time and the ability to have more time in our life. And that's what I get the most excited about, finding little things that have the ability to really transform. I'm just such an advocate of having a beautiful life and a business that, helps that beautiful life, not the other way around. And uh, so I love in in the business, helping you build something more sustainable and finding those little things that you can change. And, And I think numbers are what can really tell you that. I love that you hired a bookkeeper. I think bookkeepers are often get a bad rap because, you know, th- people think of them just, I need that for tax time. But really, if you know the right questions to ask, your bookkeeper can t- help you see so much in your business and in some ways that you can really, you know, work smarter, not harder. I love that.
0: Absolutely. So I know for some people, money can just be this like stronghold in their life. And a lot of it is just your psyche around money or how you were raised, if you had excess money or not enough money. And I know that as a lot of business owners, and I know I've struggled personally with this myself, is that our attachment to money can really play a part in how comfortable we feel within our finances, in our businesses. So what do you you know, tell people that are starting their business or in their business, but still afraid? of money or fearful of what money can look like for them?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think first off, oftentimes we don't, Really, even consider our background or our our upbringing about money and how it affects us today as entrepreneurs. Like, uh, oftentimes, I don't think we connect those two things together. And there's a lot of really interesting research right now on money mindsets or money personalities. I think there's a lady named Monica Shaw that really teaches on this a lot. And I do a talk on it kind of from what she's taught. And it goes back to there's kind of four money personalities that she talks about and going back to our childhood and how we were brought up really can affect us today. And so it's really interesting. If you were to ask yourself, when I give this talk, I have people write down, what is one vivid memory that you have as a child that someone taught you about money? And so I have people like sit down. I'm interested, Jenna, if something pops in your brain. But I remember this one instance in particular. I was in college and I was working three jobs part-time and trying to pay my way through college. And I don't know if you're like me, but I have aunts and uncles that get me like teddy bears when I'm like 22 for Christmas. And so one Christmas, my dad, I was talking to my dad and I said, you know, if anybody asks you what I... Would like for Christmas, honestly, what I need most is just money. Like I'm trying to pay my way through school and I don't really need any possession. I just, that's what I need. And I remember my dad very specifically saying to me, Shanna, you never ask anyone for money. And it's that mindset to me. I I mean, I, I have even emotion like thinking back to that time and remembering what it was like to have that conversation and I think that these scripts are how we were brought up. I've heard so many stories from people and it's amazing how that affects us today. So I often think that we, you know, oh, I'm, I'm just not a money person or I'm scared of money or whatever. We create these beliefs about ourselves and it's really limiting because if you're taught the right thing, if you're shown the steps, anybody can understand the fundamentals that are necessary to be a CEO in their business. And I think when going back to this pricing conversation, emotionally pricing, I think often doesn't come back to, we focus too much on the price, but it's not understanding what we're giving. And so when we start thinking through, like, here's all the things that are included or thinking about our time as cost, it really changes the pricing conversation to be so we can be less timid about it and more confident when we really understand why we're charging what we charge. And I think that all goes back to just how we Think about money. And it's really I would love for people to look up this money mindsets and really to see like how you think about money is probably a lot more common than you think and also less common. I think that we often think like, oh, everybody's this way or I'm a female, so I'm a spender. We kind of put ourselves in categories. But really, as an entrepreneur, you can learn the things you need to learn to really think of money and build a profitable business and make decisions that are business minded.
0: Absolutely. And I think one of the quote, and I'm not sure who said it, but it was like, when you know what you're worth, you'll stop giving discounts. Mm -hmm. And I know, especially when you're starting out and you're working for free or your friends and family are maybe taking advantage of your gifts, it's really hard to look at that. And I remember my first ever photo session, I think I made $150 -hmm. and I didn't look at the expense of my time. Yes. And so all of a sudden I was like okay, I had to drive to this shoot. I did this shoot. I spent hours editing this shoot. And when I put it up against my corporate salary, which equaled about $100 a day, I'm like, I just spent three days on this $150 shoot I have to pay taxes on it. I spent this much hours and it really shifted the way I started valuing my time. And especially for those people that are doing a full-time job and pursuing their passions on the side, your time is even more valuable, in my opinion, because you're already at a 40-hour or 50-hour-a-week deficit. And so if you're spending time on your passion and creating and you want to monetize it, you definitely have to look at the value of your time because whenever you're Saying yes to doing this work. You're saying no to relationships, to time off, time with your family, time traveling, whatever that looks like for you. And so for me, it's become so black and white in my business. And it's been such a blessing to have that because I look at what my time is worth. And obviously I donate so much of my time. I mean, this podcast is a donation of that time, but I also value my time so much as well. Yeah.
1: I think it's so interesting how you said that. I remember when I first started my company and at that time, you know, I didn't know of anybody in the creative space that was, you know, a business consultant. And I kind of, I didn't even know who to look at to even see how that, so I just made it up, you know? And I was like, okay, how do I price myself? And so my very first, how I started, I priced contract rate per month. So people would hire me to work for that month. And then I would give them, these are the objectives we want to achieve. Right. And so I remember the very first paycheck I got, I was like, I'm rich. Like, this is awesome. I thought I was getting paid so much money. And then I always say what saved my business and my life and my marriage was tracking my time. And so I got to the end of that and I realized what I thought would take me about three months ended up taking me about six months and I ended up making about $5 an hour. And and it was so crazy, but especially, you know, in the service space, like you get this Big check and you're like, ah, this feels awesome and I feel so good. And, um, but when you break that back down to our hours, then we realize, wow, I'm really not making what Is even a minimum wage. And and so really thinking, especially service-based professionals who don't have maybe hard costs, it's easy for floral designers, you know, to get it more right because they have to buy their flowers. You know, they have to pay their assistants and they have to buy vessels. And so they have to have money. But people that can give your time away for free or discounts, it's really tricky to make sure you're getting paid right. And I think when we start seeing time as currency and realizing that there's always that trade off. I love how you talked about that. Like we only have, all of us have the same amount of time. And so we have to then start choosing. Do I want to give this time away for that discounted price or? for free, and give up my time with my family. And you just start really evaluating time as currency, like a bank account, like we don't get credit cards for our time, you know, and to really kind of evaluate in that way.
0: Absolutely. And I know after I booked my busiest, quote, most successful wedding season where I had 30 weddings. I was just like you, where I was so burnt out, I was super anxious, I wasn't sleeping well. There's just so many effects on that, and I remember having a conversation with Drew and saying, like, I have to cut back or else I am going to be done. Like I'm going to be out of this industry. And you know, we looked at it because I was the main breadwinner, and we said I'm going to cut in half, and I know that that's going to be half of our income gone, but it's still enough. And I think that so many of us get caught up in more and more and more. And for me, less is so much more. And the craziest thing happened and it wasn't at all in the plan. But when I finally had more time, I was able to pursue so much more and I was able to, you know, do the things I love, like work from home or work from my couch or whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. And we ended up making way more money and it wasn't even part of our strategy. It was just the realization of what time. Time looks like and I think a lot of people hit that point and they either just stop and they're like, I want to go back to that time clock or that corporate office, or I would give anything to just be salaried and not have to worry about this. And other people um either continue on the rat race or they do see that decision point and that crossroads. And, you know, as educators, we've often talked about how hard it is to teach because so many of us have hit that point, And that was our real learning point. But I think sometimes there's beauty in that breakdown. Don't you agree?
1: I 100% agree. I think most people get to the point of that. I've been there. You've been there. And we learned so much. And But I think that there's this lodge, and I'm so interested if you, especially coming from the corporate world, where it's like if you hustle harder, you make it. Mm -hmm. but in the creative space and as a creative entrepreneur, I think that that is very misleading because you can hustle harder. Yes. But if you don't get the fundamentals, right? Like if you're taking on more clients, but you're still not making more profit, like you're hustling wrong, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and more hustle is just going to make you more tired. And so I do think like I'm always so careful with the word hustle because I think hustle can be beautiful and is very necessary, but at the same time, There's, we need to make sure like we're working smart. You're thinking Mm -hmm. through like taking on that extra job. What is that doing for me? Is that more money in my pocket? Is that more um, relationships with vendors? I want to be in that circle or like always thinking about the why and the intention behind what you're doing. And oftentimes that takes slowing down for a little while. It takes letting yourself get out of it to really evaluate like that's not working. And redo, starting again in a different way, and and I think that is what is beautiful about really knowing your need, because it can be scary to slow down. It can be scary to take time off or take time away, and slowing down to make it better. But oftentimes, that's so essential and really a, like catapult to you to the next level.
0: Absolutely, I a hundred million percent agree. <laughs> and I think intentional hustle mm-hmm. is awesome. And I think intentional rest is even more awesome. And I think that that's exactly where I am. And some days I find yeah. myself working just for the sake of working. And I'm like, if nothing needs to get done today, like go on a walk or go kayak or whatever, take a nap, like whatever that looks like. And I think when we come from those really hard seasons of hustle, you almost have to retrain yourself and say, like, if this is moving me forward, do it. And if I'm just doing it to find value or purpose, then take a step back.
1: Yeah, I was looking through, Jenna, you would love this. I had this hot pink binder. I started when I was 21 years old and it was my annual planning binder every year when I worked in finance, we had to do this big presentation. And it really was a cool process, taught me a lot about annual planning, but I was looking back through it. And I found this quote that my 22 year old genius self wrote. And it said, am I thinking more about what I have to do or what I want to accomplish? Mm -hmm. And I thought that was, I was like, Dang, you were smart back then. And but I was like, I love that because I think oftentimes in the entrepreneurial world, there's so many should do's. We should do this, you should do that, you should. And there's so many should do's, we can't do them all, you know. And so thinking through, yeah, very intentionally, what are the few things I can do very well that are going to move me forward? In my area of my definition of success. And when we get laser focused really on simplifying, but doing those things so well, it's amazing what that clarity and kind of letting go of a lot of those shoulds to focus on the ones we have to do, uh, the very few.
0: Absolutely. Oh, girl, we could talk all day. That's why I'm so happy I get to see you in real life. But where can everybody find you, connect with you, learn more about what you do, share all of the connections that we can make with you? Yeah, so
1: my website's kind of the hub, ShannaSkinmore.com. and. I can sign up for my newsletter there, and that's really where I update everyone when I decide to take three-month sabbaticals and (laughs) go on adventures. But shannaskidmore.com and then on Instagram at shannaskidmore. And that's where you can get update. Right now I'm doing, I have a consulting program called the Blueprint Model, and that's where I guide people through just business strategy and developing a business plan for profitability and sustainability. It's a lot on time management, systems, and then finance. So that's what I'm working on right now. And then this fall, I'm hoping to come out with some new learning opportunities. So again, find everything at shannaskinmore.com and hop on the newsletter to get updates.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much. I value you so deeply. And I just think this conversation is one that we need to have more openly um, and just be encouraged to talk about the hard stuff. I think that that is where true growth comes. So thank you for helping us excel our learning today. Thanks, Jenna. And as always, you can pick up the show notes and find all of Shanna's links at golddiggerpodcast.com. We will link to all of her connections, get connected with Shanna. And of course, let us know what you thought of this episode. It's always a pleasure to spend some time in your ears. Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. You gold-digging dream chaser, you.